0: Continuing on through Acts chapter 4, we come to verses 18 through 22 this morning. I'm going to start reading at verse 17. The Sanhedrin got together and they had decided try and stop the spread of the words of Christ of the work of his miracles and so they said but so that it spreads no further among the people that has severely threatened them Peter and John that from now on they speak to no man in this name and so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, as we open this Thy Word, we pray the work of Thy Spirit. Take what He has written and instill it upon our hearts. O oh Lord, may there be clarity and truth. And that which goes forth. From here this morning we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We command you not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. That might have been it. They could have looked at each other and said, our work's done now. Let's adjourn. This is August body of Jewish leadership was used to setting forth commands and those commands being fully followed After all they for at least the Jewish population held not only civil authority but also religious authority So Peter and John could have been arrested as they were and imprisoned They could have been banned from temple worship no longer be able to take part in any of that. No one to go to God for them if they still held under the Jewish idea. But in, in the Sanhedrin they had the power to make someone become an alien, an outcast. No longer part of the commonwealth of Israel and so without God in this world. And this body of leadership had soldiers and officers, their own police force. So when Peter and John stood before them, it was not merely a local club or a Jewish fraternity that they were facing. These men were, were rulers. And they were also faced with the possibility of defying the civil authority. The civil authority who were supposed to be ordained by God to lead the people. This is Peter standing up before this group. The same Peter who would write in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to kings as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So this is Peter. Same Peter who wrote that at a later time standing here before the Civil and religious authorities of the day in that place. Now we have no idea what it's like, what they were dealing with, what they were being pressured with. At least not in Protestant America. We've not had to deal with such religious authority. And in America, as it is, there's no qualms with, with breaking and defying religious authority. After all, who are they to tell me what to do? I'm my own priest. I'm my, I follow my own path and my own reason. And if in that rare case one faces church discipline usually less than a few miles away, there's another church just ready and willing to bring that person into their body. So, we really don't know what it is to have a religious authority that can condemn your soul, at least so they thought they could, at least, again, in the realm of Protestant America. Now, remember, that's how The Sanhedrin think of Peter and John, but Peter and John have a greater authority. They are not in fear of losing their souls and being condemned to hell. They are more concerned of going against what God has commanded. So with that in mind, and the Jewish leadership thinking that they had done their work and contained the fire... We see the first part of this, and that is boldness in the Spirit. Boldness in the Spirit. Verse 19, we find then, as as everybody's getting ready to adjourn, all of a sudden, Peter speaks, and John as well. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard boldness in the spirit once again we see a boldness a, a boldness that does not come naturally it doesn't come from giving someone uh, internally giving themselves pep talks today's the day you're going to do it, today's the day you're going to stand, today's the day you're going to tell them what's needed to be said it's, it's not What's happening here? And we see this boldness that comes from a transformed heart. For we remember back in Luke chapter 22 and verse 54 having arrested him that is Jesus. They led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, a certain servant girl. Seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied. He denied him saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. So Peter No confidence, no boldness, just absolute fear denies at that point. But that's not the Peter we see in Acts chapter 2. It's not the Peter we see here in Acts chapter 4, facing the Sanhedrin. But you know, he's got John there with him too. and, And sometimes we look at Peter and say, well, you know, Peter, you really blew it. You had that opportunity, but Jesus said this was going to happen, and it did. But what about John? In John chapter 18, we have John's account of the arrest of Jesus. And in verse 12, John 18, verse 12, Then the detachment of troops and the captain and officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die uh, for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus, into the courtyard of the high priest. John is speaking of himself here. But Peter stood at the door outside, and the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Now this seems like there are a lot of different things that we can't really fill in in this account, but we know that John was there. And what else do we know for sure? John was there. And outside of allowing Peter to come into the same area, having that worked out, in all other regards, John was silent. Even as Peter was questioned, it could have been very easily for John to say, I hope she doesn't recognize me. But now here's John with Peter, boldly standing for the truth and ready for any consequences. Now there's a great deal of difference between boldness and arrogance, for sure, but even boldness and anger. Boldness and anger. There's a prevalence of anger that we see societally today. Today. The people who work purely by emotion, who have no depth to what they're thinking, it's expressions of feeling. And so when they are questioned, they respond with anger. And therefore, conversations degrade and become useless. It would have been easy to see anger in Peter and John for such treatment that they had experienced the threats that they had faced. But this spiritual boldness brought with them great wisdom. See, when you're, when you're all emotional in an argument, you, you don't have much wisdom. There's not much depth of thought, but when you have this spiritual boldness, you have a good deal of wisdom that comes with us. And Peter and John, as we saw previously, had already turned the tables on the Sanhedrin one time before, and now they will do it again. Whether it is right in the sight of the Lord to listen to you more than to God, you judge. You judge. We're not the ones on trial here. You are. It's not our problem. It's your problem. Your problem's not us. Verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We know what we have to do. They actually use originally a, a, a double negative. We are not able not to speak. You're asking us, in being silent, to be silent, to do something we can not do. We are not able to do. Now, did the threats of, of the Sanhedrin, did it have an effect on Peter and John? Certainly, if we were to jump down to verse 29, we find afterwards, they're praying. Now look, now Lord, look on, on their threats. And do what? And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. So they prayed. They prayed. And why did they pray? Because they were praying for something that they did not naturally have. In their prayer, they are confessing and admitting that they did not have within them the courage necessary. And so they pray, grant your servants. Obviously, God had already granted them a measure, but now we see that they needed, they needed more. And it was a gift of God, that boldness that they had, to stand before the Sanhedrin. <clears throat> so now we look at the second part, and that would be contrasting fears. Peter and John showed great fidelity and integrity. They had an unbreakable attachment to Christ. They were not in dreaded fear of the 71 men sitting around them. Meanwhile, quite the opposite was going on. The 71 men were quite afraid. Afraid of Peter and John and the power of Christ but even more so, they feared the people. And there might have been in that discussion amongst the Sanhedrins: why not just lock them up? Why not just give them a beating and send them on? Why don't we just cut out their toes? But notice what it says in verse twenty-one. So when they further threatened them, they let them go. What? Finding no way of punishing them. Why? Oh, because of the people. Because of the people. See, the people, interestingly, saw what they the Sanhedrin refused to see. And the people, as they saw what they saw, they responded appropriately because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. They were doing what they were supposed to do. And it's the second time that this fear has been mentioned. The fear of the people. It restrained them. It controlled them so that even if it were a case in their minds of standing for the truth, they would compromise that truth for the fear of the people. So, were Peter and John afraid? Yeah, but they weren't so much afraid of the Sanhedrin. But instead, they were in great fear of betraying the Lord. Not that they were afraid of losing their salvation or or God just coming in fury at them, but because of grace and mercy that had been shown to them, it was the fear of offending the one whom they truly loved. Not only that, the disciples had been given commands by Christ himself. If you remember... Matthew chapter 29 and verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission that we're all probably very familiar with, where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And if we look at at Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in Luke chapter 24 and verse 46, He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to where all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then he says this, And you are witnesses of these things. You're witnesses of these things. And so we find that same language when we come to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where Christ says, You shall be my witnesses. So when we come to the statement of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and we have heard. We have been commanded and we have been witnesses. So in chapter 5 and verse 32, you find him speaking, And we are his witnesses to these things, so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 39, And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging him on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. We can look at Hebrews chapter 2. I don't mean to belay this point, but the the fact is the idea of being witnesses to Christ and the idea of being told not to be witnesses was so contrary to what they had been commanded. And in Hebrews 2 and verses 3 and 4, how shall we, uh, for it is, if the word spoken through angels prove steadfast in every transgression and disobedience receive just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And then one more place just to... To see how it kept in the heart and mind of John through the Spirit. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Which we have seen, which we have heard. We've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon. And with our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness. And declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So Peter and John had fear. But the greatest fear of all would be that superseding fear of letting the authorities step in between their conscience and God. Of following man instead of God. What they had been commanded to do by the Lord had a greater authority. It's not that they were radical rebels looking for any possibility and chance to defy the religious establishment. It was only when that authority kept them from obeying the clear commandment of the Lord. Now there's something else here that we dare not miss. For notice in their response, in verse 19 of Acts chapter 4, whether it is right... In the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Is it right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God? Now think about where we've just been. Who is it that commanded them to go forth into all the nations? Who is it that commanded them to be his witnesses? It is Christ. So when they are saying it is better for us to obey God, they're saying that Christ in their appraisal is God. You know, if they separated, well, he might have said, Well, in in your sight, if it's it's better for us to obey you than Jesus. But they didn't do that. They said, God. They said that specifically. So by saying that, they're bearing witness to Christ. And what Christ gave was the command of God. And since it was Christ that gave the commands, then they considered Jesus to be God. Let's quickly make some applications in these final moments. the first thing would be this, the Lord would not have us to be silent about his works. When we come to the end of verse 21, they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. What about us? What do we speak of? You might say, oh, you know, i walking fairly good. I I've, I've not been crippled since birth, so I don't really have anything a story similar to the to this man who for 40 years was a cripple and then boom, by the grace of God, he was healed immediately through the name of Christ. I think when we sing amazing grace And when we say, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's a mighty work of God. And if you believe, every single one of you has that to speak of. Uh, radio and television preachers and satellite preachers all oh, they they want to be clever they want to say little lines that people will this will stick in someone's mind and I can't remember who it was that said this he said preach the gospel use words if necessary now you know those t-shirts that have the finger pointing with them and say I'm with Here's your shirt. You can't preach the gospel apart from word. The word of God is the gospel, so therefore you must speak it. You can't mime it. And you can go around doing all kinds of nice deeds to everybody, but that's not the gospel. You can be kind, you can be sweet, You can have all that going for you and still be lost. The gospel came to us in word, and we transfer it in words. It is the word of God, it is the word which the Spirit uses to bring about the salvation of souls. Second, that brings us to how we speak. You see, it's not natural for us to do that sort of thing. It's not in us to go around going up to people we don't know. Hey, do you know Jesus Christ? That's why the disciples prayed for boldness. It's a gift of God. He wasn't saying, God, help us to learn a form. Present to us, O Father, the Roman road that we might memorize it so we can give it to people when we meet them. Not that it's bad To have a presentation. But it's better to have the spirit of God leading you when you talk to someone about it. And if we had this boldness naturally we would not be led to pray for it. Praying for it is a confession that we do not have it. The third thing would be to ask who do we fear most? Man or God? Now, I, if you have the time and want to do it, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 27, there are some verses here that are used in a terrible way so often. Matthew 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Or not two sparrows sold for a copper coin. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore. You see, you see therefore is based on what he's just said. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And see, often what they do is they just take either verse 32 or verse 33 by themselves. But you must keep it in the context that Jesus is speaking. And what is does he speak? Well, I hear people that have done this in the past. They say, you see, if you're not out there sharing Christ, you don't, he's going to deny you. you got an opportunity to say something about Jesus and you don't do it, you're denying him. That's not what's being taught here. It is if man is pushing you just like Peter and John to deny Jesus, to not speak of him anymore, that's the situation. And you say, okay, I won't. That's a whole lot different. Deny is not failing to speak, but it's speaking the opposite of what we're supposed to proclaim. Okay, I do deny him. You're right. No, no. That's, that's, that's what Jesus is getting at. If you deny me, the father, What does that mean? Well, probably it means that you don't really, you've never really embraced him. But it's not about how evangelistic you are or non-evangelistic. That's not what's being gotten at here. You know, if you don't speak to someone, they're, they're going to go to hell and it'll be on you. No. No, not at all. No no it's not we have a command to, to carry the gospel to people to all people to give a, a universal call but it's kind of a privilege there too because if we don't do it someone else will and they will get the privilege of being used by God in such a way people say well you know if Philip didn't go down the Ethiopian eunuch would have been lost No, Philip didn't go. Maybe Stephen would have. Or maybe one of the others. But somebody would have because he was God's elect and God will call him through the gospel proclaimed by one of his people. And then, fourthly, as far as we can, we are to obey all authority, whether civil or religious until we are commanded to go against what God has clearly revealed and then fifth final this miracle happened to one man but notice notice as we come to there in Acts chapter 4 it says they all they all glorified God they all glorify God for what had been done to this one man. Romans 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Sometimes we don't do that very well. Sometimes even inadvertently... We leave people to weep by themselves. Or we're not there, or we're reticent to rejoice with them. But every good thing that happens to any one of us in this body is something we should all rejoice over. And any sad thing that happens to anyone in this body is something we should join together with. We mourn with them, each other. We rejoice with each other. We're of the same mind towards each other. For every work of God's grace done to any single person who's part of the church whether it be local body or the universal church, it should stir us to great joy. For the lame has been made to walk. He who could not come to Christ has been made to come to Christ. The blind has been made to see. The truth has been opened up and they see it. And the deaf have been made to hear. And we glorify God each and every time that blessed miracle takes place. Let's stand together for prayer.